Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And I feel like a perfect fit for Ben Simmons would be a team like Minnesota, right? The Timberwolves, where he could surround himself with young talent like Anthony Edwards, a stretch big like Carl Anthony Towns, right, that loves to stretch the floor, pick and pop big, where Ben Simmons could be the facilitator, a dribble handoff guy, being a live threat to at the basket, those type of things. I feel like that Ben Simmons is a guy that needs to be on a team where he doesn't have outside distractions. So come to flyover country, baby. Speculation. Come to the Twin Cities. Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. Uh, Bobby Marks from ESPN. He is a front office insider. He's just going to start the show with us here. We'll eventually get into rom-com rewind and a bunch of things, but... Uh, Bobby, we've been talking about Ben Simmons for months here. Just sort of, you know, we've we've had our, you know, I know you go on Doogie's podcast on the Score North Network here, um, and so it's it's been a topic, and we've been doing some digging on it, and so we know that it's been a conversation they've been having. But now that like the sports books are putting odds on teams, and the Wolves are up near the top, it's becoming more of an actual real possibility here. So, a thank you for coming on the show. And B, what are your thoughts on this notion of uh, Ben Simmons potentially being traded to the Timberwolves and the feasibility of it? Well, it's funny. I think it was about a month ago we were asked to write up, you know, our Ben Simmons trade proposals. And my trade proposal was the Minnesota Timberwolves as far as a package of D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley draft picks um, and that nature. I don't know if that gets it done, but I was looking at it more from a mindset where kind of just drawing back from my days in New Jersey, when we did the Darren Williams trade, when um, we were never in a position from a destination standpoint to go out and get a player like Darren Williams at the time, who was, I guess, being recognized as one of the top point guards. And I, I just kind of see it in the same situation for Minnesota, right? Um, you know, not much cap space, limited flexibility right now. When a, a guy like Ben Simmons comes available, you know, you're going to have to ante up, but you dip your toe in the deep end to see if what it will cost you to get. Um, so that's, I, I agree with Perk. I, I, I think, um, you know, him with Carl and, and Anthony, um, you know, would probably be a really good situation the, the the hard part now is like, what's the cost, right? Like 
Are you comfortable giving up multiple unprotected lottery picks in a Western conference where that could be, you know, the third pick in a draft or the first pick in a draft, or maybe you put a little bit of protection on there. Um, so there's a cost. Uh, that's the that's the dangers with trades. There's a cost associated with it. But I I find um, I find Minnesota really intriguing. I find Minnesota intriguing. I find San Antonio intriguing just because they have a lot of those young players there, and um, he might be a fit there. Um, so yeah, I mean I think it's certainly something that we 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 follow, and we're still a month away from. A little less than a month away from training camp, and we'll see if Ben Simmons reports or if he's traded by then. So, to take us through from your perspective, Bobby, what do you think the Sixers are up against as well? Because it seems when situations like this drag on, and then you know, there's the point, and this has happened in the last couple of weeks now, where it comes out that the player definitely wants out and doesn't want to go back there. I would think, from an executive perspective, that you you lose a little bit of the leverage that you previously had so so just take us through what the Sixers are going through here and when when you think this thing needs to finally be uh consummated for a trade to make this as salvageable for both sides as possible yeah I mean I think there's two ways you can look at it I think you can look at it is it is it a disruption or is it an inconvenience um a disruption is what you guys went through in 2018 uh with Jimmy Right. That was a major disruption. That was was like, yeah, that was a, a win that came in and, you know, and you get off to a really slow start, you know, Jimmy gets traded, Tibbs gets fired. You all know the history there. I mean, a, a disruption is what Houston went through last year with, um, with James Harden, you know, basically violating the COVID protocols, um, you know, out for a week, you know, doesn't show up until a week into training camp. I don't know if Ben Simmons not reporting to Philadelphia is a disruption based on the talent they have there already. When you have Joel Embiid, an, an MVP-type player, Tobias Harris, Tybal, Maxi, Doc Rivers, um, there's a sense of security there. So I don't, I don't know if, you, if you know, the, the Sixers feel the pressure that we need to get something done by September 28th or this is going to be a major disruption around here. There's going to be adversity. Um, I don't think that's the, the sense. On the other end, I mean, this is this would be unprecedented, right? Like Jimmy Butler showed up in Minnesota, he but he was excused, right? He was excused from media day. He we had the you know the excuse that he was rehabbing his knee. He was still kind of in the vicinity of the air, and then he made his appearance. Like James Harden eventually appeared in Houston here. Ben Simmons with four years left on his contract, not showing up for training camp is unprecedented. I've never seen it happen before. And I think it'll be, it'll be a matter of what the Sixers do if he doesn't show up. I mean, the fine is ridiculous. I mean, it's like $230,000 a day for him not being there. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I had to actually go into the CBA and dig up like failure to render services there. (laughs) And it's, it's a whopper here. So I think, Saying it in a meeting in, I guess, mid-August is one thing. Actually doing it and not appearing is going to be another thing. So I don't know if if the Sixers lack leverage by him coming out and saying that. I think they lack leverage based on what the asking price is. You know, like Ben Simmons, you're not going to fetch a James Harden-esque type package. Yeah, You're probably going to fetch a Drew Holiday type package, right? Where you're sending back multiple players, you know, certainly to make the money work. 
you're sending probably back um, multiple draft picks, maybe a pick swap um, to get him um, to get him in a deal. I think the um, the the D'Angelo Russell part to this is probably the most pivotal because you know from the Wolves' perspective, the holy grail for them would be if they can keep Cat Ant and D'Angelo Russell. They like that trio. Keep those guys. They're all really good three point shooters, and so it just takes less pressure off Ben Simmons to have to shoot. Like that's what I think they would love to do a deal somehow, not giving up D'Angelo Russell or obviously Cat and Ant. Um, but it sounds like, according to reports and whispers, that the Sixers aren't interested in D'Lo as the main perimeter player to pair with Embiid, and so it's kind of a non-starter. And that's why the Wolves probably have to go find a third team, both salary-wise and asset-wise. So if the Blazers aren't going to trade Damian Lillard, um, we've been looking at Bradley Beal's situation in Washington, saying why is why is that still a thing? Like let just let that guy go and play for a contending team, but to this point, that doesn't appear to be an option. You know, I know we're just speculating here among friends, but who are some logical third-team partners? If you're the Timberwolves, all right, we need to find a perimeter player that the Sixers would want and then give them, you know, rebuilding capital. Um, are there third teams that come to mind for you, Bobby? Well, you almost have to rewind to 2019 when D'Angelo was a free agent, right? And kind of go back to figuring out who were those teams that were interested in him to sign him to an offer sheet when he was still in, um, he was in Brooklyn. One of those teams was the team he's playing for, you know, certainly was with Minnesota and we can basically rule out Golden State because, you know, as far as what they've done with the, with their roster here, um, you know, he's got two years, $60 million. A good thing there's no player options there. So it's a, um, you know, it's a straight contract. On the other end, where D'Angelo is now probably isn't where he was in 2019, just based on his body of work, right? I mean, he's, I think he's played between 85 and 100 games over the last two seasons, just with um, with the injuries. And whenever you are trying to acquire a all NBA all star level player, you're right, it does take a third team. We saw it last year when Harden was traded that um, Houston didn't want Karis LeVert or Jared Allen, that then all of a sudden Indiana becomes involved. And then all of a sudden Cleveland becomes involved here in the deal. And they wanted, you know, Victor Oladipo instead here. Yeah. The whole, the Holy grail is, is not, you know, basically saying like, take whatever you want on our roster, except for the, you know, Towns, Russell and Edwards. I don't know. I, I just don't see Beasley. and Jaden McDaniels. Don't yeah. touch Jaden McDaniels either. <laughs> I just even if even if Gerson said, you know what, we'll give you four unprotected ones and pick swaps in three years, and you can have you know just you can have Prince and Beverly and whatever to make the money work. I just don't see Houston, I mean Philadelphia, doing it because their timeline is to win a championship, right? right. You just signed Joel Embiid to a you know, a supermax contract, what does draft picks do for them unless there is a Lither trade down the road that you can flip those draft picks for? Um, that's that's you know, that's the hard part. And then as finding a third, you know, finding a third team becomes a challenge because like like deals like this don't happen rarely like during training camp, right? Like usually teams like to see every, I always say everybody's in the honeymoon period here. Everybody loves the roster until preseason starts and the regular season and you're five and 10. And then like all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, we've got to, you know, this is not what we signed up for here. And um, deals of this magnitude just don't come, come about right now. If Ben comes here, uh, how 
much does your perception of this team change from what you think right now with the current construction of the the roster to you know let's say let's say um Beasley's gone D'Lo's gone how how much does your opinion of the Wolves change and how much more improved do you think that they become immediately because of that yeah I mean they become different I mean I think they're they're from an identity standpoint it's probably a little bit probably more defensive minded that's probably what you're gonna have to hang your hat on just because you're now acquiring a player who's all NBA defense two years in a row um you know now you're you're three you're you're this is your foundation you know, with, with Carl and, you know, certainly with Anthony. Um, and now it's like, what's the, now what's left, right? Like what is left of this, you know, of the roster, you know, you still have, um, you probably still have uh, Beverly and you probably still have Torian Prince here. So you do have some bench pieces. It's probably the likelihood is that you get Jared Vanderbilt back eventually before camp somewhere in the near, in the near future here. So um, but there's still some heavy lifting to do. I mean, there are some, um, you know, just to, you know, as far as, you know, your goal is to try to be one of these playing teams. Right. And when you make a, a deal of this magnitude, man, to be, it's not to be buried in that 13 to 15 hole for the foreseeable future here. So I think they, I think they get better, but I just think they're the, the identity of the team probably, you know, shifts a little bit. Yeah. Um, Hey, you mentioned uh, Pat Beverly. So, the, that that kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think he was on anyone's radar here. And I remember uh, the reaction when he shoved Chris Paul in the back at the end of that playoff series. And even I was thinking, oh, my God, like this clown, right? This is just not a classic. <laughs> but then, like, when, when he's on your team, he's very – we had A.J. Pierzynski here in a Twins uniform 20 years ago, and everyone loved him. And then he goes and plays for other teams. It's like everyone hates A.J. Pierzynski. That kind of feels like Patrick Beverly. What are your thoughts on him as a player – and also as a guy that they're going to rely on, assuming they don't spin him in a trade, uh, to be a leader and to help mold young players. There's a little bit of a worry that Jimmy Butler started to hate being around Towns and these young guys. Will Beverly embrace it? What are your thoughts on it? I, I think he will. I mean, I think he's, um, you know, I wouldn't worry that he's on an expiring contract and he's looking for his next contract or paycheck. I think he's a player that you love to have on your roster and you, and you hate to play against. Um, I think he is a, um, a culture setter, as I call it, where, um, you know, he might not be the best player on, uh, your roster, but guys will love him. Um, kind of like a, Ron- a Rondo-esque type where, um, he will be a mentor of these players. Um, I can see him, you know, if this roster stays in pat- intact, in- in you're going to see him, you know, with D'Angelo a lot together. Um, another guy that kind of just gives you a defensive toughness here. Um, I mean, and you, you basically flip them for, you know, certainly for, um, Hernan Gomez and, and Culver, where I didn't know what their roles were going to be eventually here. So you need guys like that in your locker room, you know, like, it's funny, like, you know, Jared Dudley was made fun of a lot because of his role in, with the Lakers, you know, like, but you go back to now, I mean, guys loved him. Right. Like, you know, we had guys in New Jersey, Anthony Johnson, Donnie Marshall, guys like that never played. But man, guys loved them. And they were kind of like an extension. You know, I think what Patrick can bring you to is that he can you know, be an extension of the coaching staff. What, you know, certainly working with Chris, you know, before and Gerson has a relationship with him being in Houston for a while. Um, but that's another added benefit. And he can still play. Right. Like he's not like he can't play, um, but he's um, you know, he's he, He'll serve that one game suspension from the push. And um, 
but I like the I certainly like the trade from um, you know Minnesota's perspective. On Cat, um, what's your sense of? And he he is right now a very good player, so I'm not trying to say he's not Bobby. But what what's your sense of? And I, I guess the league sense of how much more is potentially there. I mean, is is Cat basically Cat now? And what you see is what you get, which again is a good player. Or do you, or is there a feeling that as he grows um, or matures in age, that there's another chapter here? Oh, I think there's a, there should be another chapter. I hope, hopefully, this is not what what you see is what you get is is that you know kind of one playoff appearance in whatever six or seven years that he's been in the league and his he's been injured. You know, there's been you know as you guys, there's a lot that's gone on the last couple of years, certainly with COVID, and he's dealt with some some injuries here. Um, I don't think the book of his upside has been written quite yet. I just want, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm going through my season preview where I kind of write up for teams, just for my own notes. And I was like, I want to, I want a full body of work of these guys, man. Like I want a full body of D'Angelo and Carl together and Anthony. I want to see what this group looks like. I don't want to be reading that Carl Anthony Towns is out three weeks with a thumb injury, right? Like I don't like, like I don't, then it's hard to, then, then what happens is, and you guys know, like all of a sudden, Next year, Carl Anthony Towns got two years left on his contract, and then we hear the yeah. whispers, and then that kind of now Minnesota is going to be the epicenter of guys who maybe want out or want a different change, and and all that here. So, I still think there is a ton left um, to him as far as um, from from at least from an upside standpoint. I'll tell you, uh, we saw a, a TikTok video from Anthony Edwards' trainer where he hit like six consecutive from the half-court logo three-pointers and turned around and didn't even look at the last one. That may have been a top-ten moment in Timberwolves history. We're, ve- <laughs> we're very excited. <laughs> well, he's huge. I mean, like, you want – I mean, the development from your rookies from one year to another, and I think he'll learn. You know, when you go through it – well, last year was abbreviated 72-game season. Like, it's like going through the batting order. Like, if you're, you know, if you're a hitter with a with – you know, facing really good pitching, like, he – like – like there should be no sophomore wall that he is going to run into. I don't even know if that exists, but as far as like, um, you know, we, we should see, you know, a better version of, of Anthony Edwards this year, certainly defensively, certainly offensively. I think he kind of will know when to kind of pick his moments where he doesn't have to put up 25 to 30, 30 shots. But I mean, for this team to be, in the conversation as one of these playoff teams, playing type teams. I mean, he's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to produce at a high level. Bobby Marks, ESPN front office insider, 20 years in NBA front offices. We appreciate your insight. We always love uh, tapping your brain. We'll probably talk sometime uh, once the season starts, man. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, Good stuff there. I think it's, it's fun to get other perspectives. It's fun to get other perspectives, too, on just this whole Ben Simmons thing and how realistic it could be. Because I think for a long time it was, well, this is all just wishful thinking for the Timberwolves, right? right? This is, Or some people saying, why would you want a guy that can't, doesn't even shoot in the fourth quarter? But Ben Simmons is one of the best perimeter defenders. He's one of the best passers. He's one of the best uh, get-up-and-down-in-transition players. And he's one of the best scorers inside of, like, 8 to 10 feet. You know, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Shaq because it's totally different. But like, nobody cared that Shaq couldn't shoot. If you can, if you can score a bunch of points from inside and do a bunch of other things, um, 
and add value, then I don't care if you can make a three, especially if your teammates all shoot threes. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. So the more I think about this, the more you, you hear from Bobby Marks, A, the more realistic it sounds that the Wolves could be the favorite to land Ben Simmons, and B, the more I love the fit with the key Wolves players that are on this roster. So. And the most important thing is he's going to be traded, and the Wolves are involved, and that makes it a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It is a blast. That's yeah. the most important thing. I, I yeah. mean, it, it's fun to have, and in the majority of cases, it probably won't happen, but it's fun to have Eichel tied to the Wild. It's fun to have Simmons tied to the Wolves. All of that makes it way more fun. Um, and so I welcome it because it's a, it's great to speculate and know that there actually are things going on behind the scenes that could make it happen. Yeah. Do you think Ben Simmons is the type of guy like Jimmy Butler to uh, to show up to practice and take the third stringers and beat the hell out of the first stringers and then well, I was going to say do an ESPN interview with Rachel Nichols, but that can't happen anymore. I just anymore. think he might be destructive in way more, not, not the frontal Butler destructive, but, I mean, if a guy doesn't want to be with a team and he's a fairly important part or a very important part of that team, it just causes issues. Like, you don't have to be a complete a-hole. I'm just t- talking about, a guy that um, basically moans, whines, and doesn't want to be there, and everybody knows it. Like, you don't want to start your season with that. It's just counterproductive. Dude, like, also, what, like, what's the good of, like, hey, you know, Ben's unhappy, but we're holding on to Ben, right? Well, it, it kind of feels like the Sixers have overplayed their hand here. Yes. That the, that the best time to do this would have been, like, two months. Well, when was the draft? I guess it was end of July, right? So it would have been, like, a month, month and a half ago. Yep. And they thought, okay, we can we can get two or three teams in a bidding war. You know, he's still, even though he was a disaster in that last playoff series, we're still going to be able to get teams fighting over him. But front offices have, well, a couple things have happened. Dame Lillard has not been as aggressive asking out of Portland. I think that was their plan A, B, and C, right? Oh, sure. Dame, Dame's going to force his way out. This is a perfect situation. Yes. Maybe you get a third team involved, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's a straight-up swap, but... The fact that it kind of feels like Philadelphia and Daryl Morey are just waiting and praying that Dame will say, I want out officially, and it'll just all line up. And Gerson Rosas is sitting here saying, well, if he doesn't, we're here. We've got two or three offers. We've got a couple side teams we can mix in. You know Exactly. And, and so I think what this is going to come down to as well is, as Bobby Marks just said, uh, Daryl Morey and the Sixers, are not going to get a James Harden return, which is which is what you know Daryl's former team, the Rockets, did. Uh, Maury, I think, has basically said, "I want a James Harden return." Mm-hmm. So I so like I, I think at some point in time, the Sixers have to face the reality of they've got an unhappy player who, yes, in some facets is great, but I mean, keep in mind too that Hawk series is the last memory of Simmons, and it was a disaster. So, like, you're trying to deal the guy. It's not like, I don't want to be here, but, man, am I coming off a great playoff where teams are like, yeah, oh, my God, let's trade for this guy. Yeah. It literally is the guy is saying, I don't want to be here. He knows if he goes back, the fans are going to light him up, and he's coming off an atrocious, atrocious playoff. So, So I guess my question to the Sixers would be, so, like, you're trading what here? You're trading a really good defender, but, but like, if you think you're trading James Harden, you're not trading James Harden. Yeah, and I know that James Harden, it's a 
that that's you know that's one blockbuster trade, and they got what they got. But there's a lot of other blockbuster trades for superstar players, like Kevin Garnett got traded from Minnesota 14 years ago. He didn't fetch a superstar in return. Now his 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 contract was different. He was a little older, but he was still in his prime. I mean, he was still putting up MVP numbers. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Butler. Now I'm also I'm also using Timberwolves trade as an example where they just got fleeced. But like yeah, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler didn't. I mean, Robert Covington was a good player, but they didn't get anything. Right, from Jimmy but they Butler. overplayed. I I think the parallel there is is Tibbs overplayed his hand by so much that he got a bad trade back. Like yeah. like he didn't get that. When Jimmy Butler went to him and said, "You know what, dude, it's not going to work here," which which he did right after the Rockets playoff series, and then, but I mean, much like much like what the Sixers are doing now, you're you're like, well, we're going to get our price for you then. And the reality is, once the guy says, "I want out," it's very hard to get your price. Yes. Um, all right. Quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company, uh, supporter of the Timberwolves throughout the years, and the Lynx, and vice versa. And supporters of businesses across the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years, they specialize in risk management. They specialize in keeping employees protected and also healthy, especially during these unprecedented times, if you will. So find out about how Federated can help you sleep better at night if you're a business owner, help keep your employees and your company safe and away from risks. And you can do all of that at federatedinsurance.com. Remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Thanks to Bobby Marks, again, ESPN NBA insider, for hanging out with us here on Mackie and Judd today. But let's waste no more time. Let's get to the main event of this Friday episode, Rom-Com Rewind, Declan. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Why didn't you tell me you were a secret agent? I prefer intelligence operative, and I couldn't tell you until I thought I knew you. Well, can I call you when I land? You can call me, but I'll be in Peru. Ooh, I said that a little loud. Come on, that's a 187. Cold blue, we got the wolf sleeping at night. He's slipping his right arm in the drawer, and out comes the cookie jar. All clear. Bling, bling, walla, walla, bing, bang. Got it? Mm-hmm. You thought these guys spent every waking hour of their lives doing manly things like watching sports while yelling at their TVs, shaving with straight razors, and revving their V8 truck engines. Well, yeah, think again. It's time for Mackie and Shot to turn in their man cards. This is Rom-Com Rewind. Obviously, this is very manly. She lost her short-term memory. So she can't remember anything? No, 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 no. She has all of her long-term memory. That's a different part of the brain. Her whole life, up to the night before the accident, she remembers. She just can't retain any new information. It's like her slate gets wiped clean every night while she sleeps. Hold on here. This sounds like something I would tell a psycho girl so she would stop calling me. Am I the psycho girl? I wish I was making this up. She has no memory that she ever met you. All that flirting and... Phony, I can't read stuff, and then you're not even going to ask me out or for my phone number? I can't read. Oh, shut up. That was one of the goofiest things I've ever seen in my life. But I thought, hey, this guy is so desperate to meet me, he might be worth talking to. But then I get stiffed. No, 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 this is what happened. I, uh... Mahalo for the ego boost. You're right, you're right. I feel like, uh... No worries. 
I got I, I, I can read a little. I didn't know I came before E. That one I didn't know, I swear. <laughs> I also don't know that, so yeah. I, I feel that I'm <laughs> Spellcheck is uh, Declan's friend when he's putting together uh, headlines for our socials. All right. This is the Mackie and Judd movie review franchise. Rom-com rewind. We've got action movie rewind. We've got sports movie rewind. We've got rom-com rewind. At some point, we'll do horror movie rewind. We've talked about that maybe for October. 50 First Dates, a 2004 classic, if you will. And if you're ever wondering, what, where can I... Or could I binge all of these other movie reviews you guys do? Every Friday episode, basically, go, you know, there's been a couple that we've missed, but from now, go all the way back to March of 2020, every Friday episode of Mackie and Judd, um, you can hear us babbling about movies that I don't mm-hmm. think Judd would otherwise have watched. Like, Judd would be watching NHL Network. We're taking three hours of NHL Network from Judd, two hours, two hour hours. and a half. Yeah, not yeah, <laughs> not three. No, no, not three. But you are correct. There's a lot of there's a lot of this catalog I would never have explored. Uh, before we get to the summary and everything, had you guys seen Fifty First Dates before? It's been a while, but yes, it's been a long time. Okay. I'd seen parts of it on like TNT or something, but never the whole thing. So the first sit down for you, okay. yeah, first sit down. All right, so Playboy veterinarian Henry. Think about that. He's a veterinarian. Just he's a he's like a Sea World veterinarian, Playboy veterinarian. Yeah, not just not just a veterinarian, no, a Playboy veterinarian. Yeah, he's just a Don Juan. Uh, Henry sets his heart on romancing Lucy, but she has short term memory loss. She can't remember anything that happened the day before. So every morning, Henry has to woo her all over again. Lucy's friends and family are very protective, and Henry must convince them that he's in it for love. 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus said, quote, gross out humor overwhelms the easy chemistry between Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, who bring some energy and yucks to this tale of a girl with short-term memory loss and the guy who tries to get her to love him. A $75 million budget turned into $198 million at the box office. Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Rob Schneider, mostly shirtless and bleeding. Sean Astin yeah. also uh, played Rudy about 14 years earlier. And Dan Aykroyd, the major stars in this movie. It was directed by Peter Siegel, who also directed Tommy Boy about 10 yeah. years earlier. So we'll start with Judd here. What was your main takeaway from 50 First Dates? Oh, um, so my main takeaway was this. I actually thought it was a, a, a cute film, so... I liked it. It was, but, but since I've got to break so this thing down as, as a takeaway, here's what I'm going to give you. This was one of the most convoluted, confusing, <laughs> hard to follow what? the logic yes. movies yes. I have ever well, seen. And allow it. me to explain. Okay. Yes, it's All right. This yes, is what Jen. I wrote down. How many down. Surleys did you drink last This yes. is what, none, none. <laughs> Let me read you what I wrote down. Okay. Lucy has a brain injury and can't remember anything from day to day. But then Henry wants to remind her of what happened as often as possible, and she's fine with it. In fact, she appreciates well, her, it sometimes. Her family wants to. Well, her family wants to avoid it. No, her family wants to avoid it. Yeah. He's the one who comes along and says and makes the videotape. But here's the problem: sometimes she's fine with it, and sometimes she's not. And what they don't explain is, okay, the part of her brain that can remember things from day to day has been damaged probably beyond repair. But that doesn't explain something very important. 
when they go where they went. Her personality changes from day to day, too. So, like, the first time that she meets him, she's, you know, flirting with him. And it's it's actually a very cute scene in the diner. And they sit there yeah. all day. And she's, and she's Drew Barrymore playing Drew Barrymore. What? Then a couple of days later, her personality's changed and she's taken aback by him. And it, it doesn't make sense that her personality would change because they never say that part of her brain is in, impacted. And they just tried to they basically tried to make you believe anything that they decided to write into this film so you're and for the purposes of what we're doing here i'm calling them on it and by the way wikipedia wikipedia has a section on the very same thing saying there is no evidence that there are brain injuries like this so your main takeaway is that you're a little bit upset that they may have taken something implausible was, and turned it into the theme no, for a movie. I'm upset because is it was it very hard to follow their logic of how they wrote yeah. it. I think you're I overthinking think it. With me. I, well, go I, ahead, Deck. I do agree with Judd. This is one of the most improbable what? movies ever. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Of course it is, it's dude. It's so absurd, dude. It's so is ridiculous. It, is it, what's, okay, what's a more improbable movie? Fifty First Dates, Rom Com Rewind, or Rambo Two, like you know, Fifty First Dates, or or no, <laughs> Rambo Two, easy to follow. This was very difficult to follow. What they were trying to get. What at was difficult about this movie? To follow? It's an was, Adam Sandler movie. Her personality <laughs> changed every day. Some days she was a she was she was the devil, and then the next she'd be an angel, and then he didn't know what to expect. Well, and, a and lot of I women are like that, even fact, without yeah, brain injuries. That's and true. I wanna, that's true. And I want to get into the fact that 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 character, as he was set up. Wouldn't have gone back ever to yes. be with her. Well, okay, I'll, we can have that discussion. So, but what, I'm saying, sure. but what I'm saying is yeah, big yeah. picture. Okay, ten thousand foot view of fifty first dates. Breaking news: the implausibility of the writing to this film was off the chart, and they didn't <laughs> care. Okay, you're also talking. So like, okay, so let's go down this path. This is a Happy Madison production. Okay. Yeah. So your biggest takeaway and beef with this movie is that it's just not plausible. Like, there's too many implausibilities. Well, it's a good thing we're not doing other Happy Madison movies. What about Adam Sandler almost, like winning the no. Tour Championship the as a hockey player in Happy Gilmore? The implausibility made it very difficult to follow the logic. Every other film that you're talking about, I can follow the logic with no problem at all. They didn't know completely what they wanted to be. Rom-com, totally complete comedy. They, they were very uncertain of their tact here. Um, the other Sandler films, you knew exactly what they were. That's the difference. But, but okay, I'm, I love that you brought this up because I, I love that it has sparked a huge argument in the first five minutes of Rom Com Rewind. But <laughs> are you guys like, I feel like you're overthinking this or something. So, yes, it's implausible that this is how amnesia works. And a bunch of doctors, there's a, there, there is a section in Wikipedia that talks about this isn't an accurate representation of amnesia. Of course it's not. It's not supposed to be. It's an Adam Sandler movie, for God's sakes. So let's put that in plot. Like, Let's put that aside. The fact that this is not an accurate representation of how amnesia works. This movie's plot was very simple. She doesn't remember when when she goes to sleep and she wakes up. It's like Groundhog Day. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. Everything's the same. Is it plausible? No. Is it easy to follow? Yes. Bill Murray wakes up every day and everything's the same. Lucy wakes up every day and she doesn't remember what happened the day before. Yeah. That's, how is that complicated? It's just it's. It's not plausible. It's not plausible, it's not and it's just—I—I I don't get it. I just—it's—it's—it's it's, 
It's not a yeah. enjoy the the entire chase of this film doesn't make sense. Like you would give up. But that's a different that's a different talker, which we can get into. Let's do it. They You're saying that Adam Sandler, who can get any woman apparently that he wants in yeah, the world, which, well, in this which movie, I also right? have in my yeah. that he has decided. All right, like this is the one. The, like, local the one that girl? will not remember me tomorrow is the yeah, one. The local girl who, by the way, had been there the entire yes. time, and now he finds her, and, right. and he purposely. But but I'm just talking about this film from a writing perspective. Didn't know what it wanted to be. That's the problem. I know. I like, I, like I disagree you with all you there. If you go all yucks, I'm fine with it. But at times it got very serious about the pursuit. And then it's like, what what are you here? The the great staple about Sandler films, for the most part, in this era, where they all were, as every one of them knew exactly what it was. Wedding Singer, Happy Gilmore. This one was very confused about what it wanted to be and represent. Actually, I think this movie knew exactly what it wanted to be. It wanted to be a spam commercial. How yeah, much money seriously. did Spam pay to be to, oh, like, the Spam truck that pulls up in the parking right. lot? There's Spam in every meal. Uh, there's a box of Spam at the end of the movie. Spam right. might have paid millions of dollars yeah. for marketing here. Spam so, popular? Uh, I enjoy Spam, spam but I haven't had it in years. I, it's, say, yeah. I, I tried it for like the first time within the last like five years. Never had it before up until like five years ago. Did you enjoy it? I ate it raw out of the can. And then I had it fried, my dad, too. My dad used to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do prefer it. I don't prefer it all, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but, if, but if I have an option, I would prefer it to be fried over uh, raw. It's just weird that it comes in that can. Yep, yep. And, I'll, and it's like a hot dog in a can. And basically. I'm all about right. processed foods, but uh, that, that crosses a little bit of a line for me. So. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so did you finish your main takeaway there, Dex? Uh, just that, I mean, yeah, it's Happy Madison. It's very, it's very on brand with Happy Madison. I will kind of defer to Phil in that regard like it's 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 goofy it's the Rob Schneiders it's Adam Sandler it's uh it's all these goofy side characters that are also always in the most the majority of these and in these happy Madison films um but it's just it's so improbable to me it's it's so the entire chase of getting her is so improbable it doesn't make any sense that's my main takeaway. every happy Madison movie is improbable but all right my main takeaway from this movie and I'm I'm spoiling one of our later categories here, is move over Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I think now that I've watched this movie again and oh, wow. Wedding Singers, oh. this might be oh. the best on-screen couple oh. pairing of my oh, life. We're going to brawl again. We're going to brawl again. Adam Sandler two and people, Drew Barrymore. What amazing chemistry. Playing themselves, acting at each other is not close to Tom Hanks. I'm surprised I'm surprised they weren't actually together in real life when I watched their theatrical history and their on-screen chemistry. Wedding it is amazing. Cute. I will say, like, I'm saying it sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I really like Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore on screen together. And we can fight about that later. We'll get to that category. Joe, what was your favorite part of Fifty First Dates? Dex uh, brought it up, but my favorite part was the ancillary characters. Yeah, because they they were funny, and, and they're I kind liked of all them. the. Hi, my name is Tom. Hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> yes, that's funny. But I mean, like the dad, like the dad is the dad is good. The brother is funny because he's just such a stooge. Um, the he's, waitress, doing the, he's doing the sit ups on the chandelier, and it comes crashing the net down. Shirt. Yep. <laughs> the waitress. Um, I, I think my favorite part of this film uh, were the surrounding characters and the fact that they were they they actually brought something to the film like without them. It's not as good. He also Sandler uses most of the same peripheral characters in all of his movies. Like there's some differences, but 
Rob Schneider is in a bunch of Sandler movies. Yeah. Uh, the guy who plays Tom is in a bunch of Sandler movies. He kind of he's got like four or five, six guys that he just sprinkles in a bunch of his movies. Rob Dex, Schneider. what was your favorite part? Uh, actually, I do have like a few favorite parts about this movie. I will say. Let's hear uh, number one, I, I mean, I thought we were. I can't believe no one mentioned this before, but we're bearing the lead that uh, this family is a bunch of Vikings fans. Oh, what's yeah. the score? Uh, the Vikings are on the two yard line. If they score here, they bring it to fourteen to ten. Well, maybe they'll win for your birthday, Dad. <laughs> and I'll bet Carl Pepper runs it in. How about he fakes a handoff to Williams and throws the pass to Kleinsoff in the end zone? <laughs> Luther does the distance. You're on. Culpepper fakes a handoff to Williams. He will throw. He's got Kleinsoffer in the end zone. Touchdown, Minnesota. Oh, Doug, you're good. Maybe you should be a coach. Oh, my God. You got to love a good Jim Kleinsoster, Dante Culpepper yep. shout out in a Happy Madison production. I don't know who floated that one out there. And actually, I, I have been to Hawaii, and I watched, uh, it, was, it was the 2017 year. It was actually the year, or the game the Vikings lost to the Panthers, like week 14, 15, that probably could even get in that gotten them a first round, or the first uh, number one seed in the NFC. I remember being at a Hawaii bar at 9 a.m., because it's the big time difference there in Hawaii, and actually there was like a good collection of Vikings fans in Hawaii. So I do think there actually might be, judging also by Ventline of all the shows I do on Purple Daily, more than 60 to 70% of those guests are outside of Minnesota. So it is kind of impressive how many actual Vikings fans there are outside of here in Minnesota. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. really, really cool. I'm glad you brought this up because I forgot that they were Vikings fans in this movie. But it's going to be a a little in-between episode of Random Season Recall oh. here, too. So the filming of this movie was in 2003, but the game that you saw the clip from is actually from October 13th, 2002 at the Metrodome, a Vikings-Lions game at the Metrodome. The Lions jumped out to a 14 nothing lead in this contest, and the Vikings, I believe, were 1-4 going into it. So this is Mike Tice's first full year as head coach. They're off to a slow start, and the Lions with, I think, Steve Mariucci was probably their coach in 2002, mm-hmm. jump out to a 14 nothing lead with Joey Harrington as the quarterback, all right? <laughs> And then you get a Gary Anderson 42-yard field goal mm-hmm. to get on the board. Uh, the touchdown that you saw in the clip was indeed, as you saw, a one-yard pass from Culpepper to Kleinsasser to make it 14-10. to um, The Lions scored again to make it 21-10, to but then the Vikings went on a run. You had uh, Culpepper, a seven-yard rushing touchdown. Michael Bennett, a 45-yard touchdown pass from Culpepper. And then eventually Mo Williams with a two-yard touchdown run with two minutes left to make it 31-24. And the Vikings went on to hold that lead. Wow. Um, Randy Moss did not score a touchdown in that game, but he did catch nine passes for 83 yards. <laughs> Randy can you guys? Can you guys tell me who any of the Lions oh my God. skill position players oh were in that God. game? This is post-Barry Sanders. Oh. So, it's Joey, so it's Joey Harrington. Oh, man. I don't, this, um, this, was, this is, was Herman Moore still there? No, this is after Herman Moore. I, okay. I, I don't know it's, if I can so a single guy. James Stewart was the running back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't, yep. Azahir ha, Hakim, who used to be with the greatest show on turf Rams, yeah. yep. caught five passes for 70 yards. Um, Bill Schroeder, former Packers Packer. receiver, yes, caught a couple passes in this game. Bill and Corey Schroeder. Schlesinger caught six passes. Okay. God, oh, Corey dude. Schlesinger was a fullback, right? <laughs> yeah, I think he had one of those big he had the neck huge, rolls. Yeah, and he had the huge shoulder pads. I missed the big shoulder pads. 
Do you remember the kicker for the Lions? Was Jason Hansen still there? Jason Hansen Jason made a forty-nine yard field goal in this game. Jason Hansen was there forever. Yeah, amazing. So um, there it is. Random season recall there for the two thousand two Viking Lions. And then two other funny favorite parts that I really enjoyed. Uh, did you guys notice that when they're touring the facility and it's Dan Aykroyd and there's the shout out to Callahan Auto Parts and the connection to to Tommy Boy? So they did that. They also did the Happy Thanks. Gilmore tee off motion with the kids. Yep. Yep. There's, yep. A, there's a lot of odes to 90s yeah. comedies here. I thought that yeah. was awesome how they tied that together because also Dan Aykroyd was Callahan in in in, in Tommy Boy, so it was like this yeah. funny little like connection there. I didn't notice yeah. that the first time I saw it. And then finally, th- th- this soundtrack is elite. I love the soundtrack a lot of, good of this covers movie, man. This. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, as a yes. sucker for a Nailed really it. good cover, I love yep. me a good cover band, and I love me a good cover song. Uh, yep. But like 311, Jason Mraz, Ziggy Marley, there is some great. Mark McGrath had a song in here from Sugar Ray. Um, great soundtrack. Like honestly, a, a fire. One of the best soundtracks I think we've had. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, love the covers. All right, my favorite part of this movie. There's a lot of just like funny little lines and stuff, but my favorite part was very specific. It's when so there. It, it, it was kind of this Groundhog's Day thing where all right, we're gonna we're gonna have I'm gonna have different ways every day that I try to woo Lucy. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna cry at the bar and then I'm going to pretend like I'm in distress on the side of the road. And it was like Bill Murray had the different ways he was going to kill himself. Right. <laughs> and the different ways he was going to try and woo. Um, what's her name? The producer. But the one that I just laughed my ass off is when Rob Schneider is pretending to kick Adam Sandler on the side of the road and Lucy and say, Oh, like Lucy's going to come help. And Lucy beats his ass with an aluminum She rages. Bat. She yeah. rages like steroid rage. And then she goes back for seconds and just absolutely murders him with an aluminum bat. I thought that was that was the funniest part of the movie. Uh, Joe, what was your least favorite part of this movie? No. I so I like I think more than Declan does Drew Barrymore and her character. But my least fa- favorite part is she always basically just plays, and and Sandler did it this time too. They just play themselves. What? So like, there's never any like with her. You you literally could have taken her off this set and put and put her in in the um was it Fever Pitch yeah. baseball film? Yeah. yeah, you could have like transplanted the set and been like, okay, just act now, and it's the same character. So it's just, I mean. And it works, and people like it, but it is incredible that, like, there's never really any concerted effort made to, to be like, I'm going to play a different character. In, I don't think you need to. They I, basically hire her and say, play Drew Barrymore. Yeah, but that's but that was a winning formula in the 90s and 2000s. I know I mean, it was, but I'm just saying, like, again, I my problem with this film was I felt that it, it, had, it had moments where it, it wanted to be fairly serious about things. And I just don't know that it worked. The chemistry, it's cute. And so it, it did really well. But yeah, that's probably my least fa- favorite part because there were no like scenes that I hated. I, I mean, it's a pretty formulaic in in some ways how they approach things. But yeah, her uh, her ability to just be the same person continually amuses me, if nothing else. Well, so you've you've mentioned that this movie felt like it was a comedy at times and it was trying to be serious at times. So usually we say production notes for toward the end, but... The mm-hmm. only production note I have here that's interesting is that this movie was originally written as a drama based in Seattle. 
funny. So it was a little bit more of like a sleepless in Seattle oh, I didn't see that. kind That's of a good. thing. Okay. And Adam Sandler helped redo the script into a comedy when they brought him on board. Oh, okay. And they moved the setting from Seattle to Hawaii because it was just more of a happy, uplifting type of a place as opposed to dreary. Although I can tell you it's not it's, – it's dreary a few months out of the year, but, like, it's also very sunny in Seattle. That explains a lot. So it okay. was – so this – the that. core of this script – and if and honestly, like, if you take away the humor, like, it is a really horrible, yeah. sad it's story. Dark. And then there's like just the weird family yeah, dude. things. Well, and... and the dad feels guilty. Yeah, that that makes so. So I would say this: that was then a film that that at that stage of his career, because he he turned a he turned a corner probably around 1990 or so. Like Tom Hanks was probably the perfect guy to play the guy then. You're saying for this for this, this was a drama. Yeah. Well, I'm saying because this film was sort of in between. If they had left it like it was supposed to be, which probably would have had some comedy, but not as much, Hanks is the perfect guy for it. That makes more sense. I mean, Sam, yeah. I, I like him. He's fine. I'm just saying I don't know that he has necessarily, well, he doesn't, but he shouldn't. He doesn't necessarily have the acting chops that Hanks has. Although I did see him in. Uncut but, Gems, man. Uncut Gems was a was good it movie. Punch, was it Punch Drunk Love he did? He he did a well, series. He did a film I really, really was surprised and liked, um, but I forget. I think it was Punch Drunk Love. But one that he like is an incredible power pull of performance, and it's nothing like Sandler. Is did you guys ever see Rain Over Me? Mm-mm. That's him and Don Cheadle, and it's based on a story. Like um, Adam Sandler basically goes insane. His it's very it's a dark movie. Like his family uh, was killed in nine eleven. Like, was in the Trade Center. Oh, yeah, I read about this. And it's about yeah, Don Cheadle and Adam Sandler were friends in college, and then they reconnect, like, 20 years later after the Trade Center thing, and, like, he sees him on a street, and he's, like, completely the different person, and it's, like, Adam Sandler trying to find his way again. It's nothing like Adam said. It's an incredibly good film. It's really yeah. powerful, but um, it is weird watching him not be goofy, dorky Adam Sandler. I, don't, I know what you yeah. mean. So, Dex, what was your least favorite part of this movie? Um... I couldn't stand how Drew Barrymore, I know that she has the um, has the brain injury and she has short-term memory loss. Why is she wearing the same pink shirt, white pants in like 90%? Like she wakes up every day in this same her, her, da- her dad washes her clothes every night while he repaints the garage wall white. Yeah. He, re- he, he literally like rewashes her clothes so that she can wear the same clothes every single it's, day. I, I, I just I did not enjoy that. And then also but then there's be sometimes where she wasn't wearing the same clothes. Like for the majority of it it was, but then when she's like even doing the chase on the car, like then she's in a different outfit. I just it was a little nitpicky thing. And then second, how they set up um her car crash. Like they made that scene like so like it's it's a fun, goofy, bubbly, fun movie, and then all of a sudden, like, gets really serious for like the fifteen second weird vignette where they get in the serious car crash and she hits the tree. It was just, it was kind of weird. It was like it it was hard to try to juggle if this was supposed to be funny or if it was supposed to be like, oh, this is really sad and depressing and kind of serious. So I, I didn't really like those two scenes. Yeah, I hear you. I think, I think like. I actually kind of liked, you know, it was 80% comedy. I actually kind of liked that they went dark a couple times because it mm-hmm. added some layers to the movie for me. I know you guys did not appreciate that, but I would say my least favorite part of this movie was the entire city, not just her family, but like the diner and other people catering to keeping her like in the dark on what she's going through. Let's just have her reenact the same day. 
Let's yeah. right. let's have the same birthday cake every day. Let's watch the same Vikings game every day and the same movie at night. And then let's paint the walls white. Like the amount of work that those guys have to do. So she goes to bed and then they have to like clean everything up, make sure they've got pineapples for the next day, make sure they have a cake for the next day, paint the garage walls white so they can dry overnight so that she can paint again. Like just like what? There's no time to do anything else. You're literally devoting all of your time to reenacting the same day. Are you are you working? Do you make money? It's just I don't know. It's it was, I feel like they could have done the movie without that part of it. But maybe not, I guess. Maybe she had to be in the same diner every day or something. I feel like they could have written something different to to get the same thing across without it being that. It was weird. Made her family that, seem, but that, but that's what I'm creepy. saying is, is, is like at some point in time, I would think the people that wrote the film would have stopped and been, been like, okay, this is the people be that good wrote the film funny. are Adam Sandler, by the way. So okay, well, I would have told them, dude, look, here's the thing. Let's, let's write around some of what you're trying to. I do love writer Judd. It's not because it's not great. Judd takes issue with the writing of at least half the films that we review oh, I here. Yeah, I love half. it. Well, for rom coms, I for sure do. Yeah, for rom coms, rom coms aren't that hard. But if you but if you were to make this movie as like thespian as you wanted it, then it wouldn't be entertaining. No, right? I'm saying some I'm of saying the holes in the movie the are way what that Sandler wrote it. He should have bowed out, and if he wanted to write it for himself, <laughs> and if he wanted to write it for himself, then we should have worked on it. Oh man! All right, I'm what was help him? What was the le- oh? He'll call you, I'm sure. Yep. What was the least believable part of this movie? Judd? Okay, here's another one. Adam Sandler. Who, by the way, in these roles, I like him. Like, he's very likable. It's sort of funny. It's always the same, but that's fine. Or I should say at the time. He's got to uh, sing. At some point, he's got to play his little guitar. That, he, yeah. that he probably personally wrote. I mean, that's yeah. all great. But how? who decided to sell him as a guy who's a womanizer who gets all of these? Himself. himself. No, I know. But again, I'd be like, Adam, 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 Adam. That's not you. That's not you. You're funny. You're goofy looking. You're all. But, but those- no. But but it was tongue in cheek. Like he's. They're making fun of him. Right. In the beginning of the movie. But then, like, but the know, pro- he- I get that. But then the problem is they drop it and he becomes this sap for this local girl who's been there the entire time. And it's like again, it just wasn't that the the funny part didn't really track. That's my problem. This film didn't really track at all. It just sort of jumped around to that. Hey, that'd be funny for right now. And nobody really thought about how it was going to all play out. Now, they don't care. They made a ton of money. But that was my least believable part was that they tried to make him be somebody. And then they just dropped it entirely. Like, if he's going to be that guy, you need to keep that up. And they just completely dropped it. And he just became uh, a complete wimp about halfway through the film. Yeah, and I, and I took the I took the womanizer part to be less about, like, this is a theme throughout the movie. And it was more... Oh, they're hilariously like almost making fun of Adam Sandler and make painting him as this womanizer, and he's lying about being in the CIA or whatever, or being some operative. Yes. It's yes. just so over the top. Um, hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> All right, Dex, what was the least believable part of this movie for you? I mentioned it in the main takeaway, but the the whole pursuit, like you, you basically learn once. Uh, she starts, they start really buying into like, no, you're my girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. Like he's been doing this for a year. He literally says, I've been chasing after you for a year. So this movie plot and a kind of yeah. similar thing back to last week of, te- of, of 10 things I hate about you. They cram a nine month school year into, you know, an hour. They'd crammed a year in, into, into 60 minutes. 
So just just the entire pursuit of this, like him having to do this every single day, and then the end scene where she wakes up on a boat and was like, "Yeah, here's your three year old daughter." Like it just the the timeline of this movie. I like how the timelines bother you. It they does. Actually, it's bugging me. They it's, don't bug me, but I love how they bother it's you. It's starting to bug me, and I don't. And I, maybe I'm recycling <laughs> it from ten. Did you want this? Did you want this movie to be gone with the wind in length and show everything from the, the child is one, maybe, and now the child is a year and a half? Maybe yeah. that's why I love Days and Confused so much because it's just one day. It's literally one day in ninety minutes. It, it's it's the last day of high school, and it's the first day of summer break. It's all it's all crammed together in one day. I the the whole timeline on the pursuit of this is is not believable at all so i I, my my least believable is kind of similar to declan's actually it's it's pretty much a summary of everything we've talked about which is would this be worth the trouble if you're adam sandler if you're harry no all right like the minute that you come back the next day and she doesn't remember you and then the woman from the diner pulls you outside and is like she's got amnesia she doesn't remember what happened the day before you just kind of be done, right? Like there wasn't some yeah, deep emotion. It wasn't like they'd been dating for six months and then she forgot. You never it's met like her and she was alone. You had you had you had but, breakfast for three hours together, and it wasn't like there was a deep emotional attachment. I guess is being what I'm a saying. local would have disqualified her from from being pursued by Hen- Henry. Regardless, he made it very clear that he wanted, and you know, he was going to find women from out of town who were going to have to leave. And then all all of a sudden he's investing all oh, of he's, that. He's time. a changed man. He all has met that, he has met the woman that. that's going to ground him. That's what that's what yeah, the ground is was. right. You can't remember anything day to day. Very grounded. But the other thing, like the logistics too of okay, so she's not going to remember you the next day. So every morning, if you stay overnight, especially like you have to get up before she does, otherwise she's going to freak out like she did in that one scene. So you've got to get everything together. And you've got to make sure that the tape is there for her to watch so that she sees you in the video. And so, like, just the logistical pain in the ass of doing all that stuff before going to your job, by the way, which he still works, like, as a veterinarian. I love the Um, And then my other logistical question is, so her brain gets wiped clean every night. Right. Short term. But what happens if she wakes – let's say she goes to bed at, like, 10 p.m. And by the time – you know, if, you know, in, in theory, in this movie, she sleeps straight through the night for eight hours and she wakes up at six o'clock in the morning and she remembers nothing. Mm-hmm. But what if she wakes up at like one in the morning, yeah. has to go pee, yeah. needs a little glass of water? <laughs> Does she still remember what happened when I she went like to bed? I feel like you're 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 proving our point about our, our flaws with, with this film in the takeaway section, because, yeah, the, it all. Like no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, weird. these are all like very much implausibilities that should be discussed. But you guys are saying that the premise of the movie was confusing, and I'm saying no, it wasn't. I'm it was saying very people, simple. I'm saying Adam Sandler in writing the film got confused. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I needed an edit. I needed a hard edit. What happens if she has an early flight the next morning and she has to get up at like three thirty, right? Well, and I mean, she's probably and I not thought about, ever. I thought flying, about that, but, but what? But what is the cutoff of like she remembers? <laughs> like, like she clearly she has to go to bed in the same spot because if she were were to wake up somewhere else, she'd she be wouldn't like, know where she is. The hell! But they also did yeah. did the whole thing where they went through the diary and took out the pages about him. So she clearly, after she got done with activities, she would go journal about it. So, like, did she journal about it and then go to sleep? At you know, I mean, at one point, at one point, she has it in her. 
diary that, that they had sex. So like I'm taking that to like midnight or something, right? So, so did she get up after that? Go journal about it and then yeah, forget what, about it by the next morning. And at no point did did they never try staying up all night because Bill yeah. Murray tried that in Groundhog Day. I think they tried to stay up all night and then one and, six o'clock okay, hit that just makes like perfect just sense. like reset. Yes. yes. When she try to stay up all night and see, all right, if you don't go to sleep, or like, what if she takes a nap? If she takes a nap, does everything get erased I, too? I have no. Yeah, because no, they didn't. Yes. I, if I were her, what's it called? Like You're these right. people that do these weird sleep schedules. Like it's like a, like a poly something, uh, polyphasic sleep schedule, mm-hmm. where you sleep instead of sleeping in one eight-hour chunk, you sleep like two or three times a day in shorter chunks. Mm. You know, what if she switched to that type of lifestyle? So instead of going to bed at ten, she stays up until like four and then takes a nap and then gets up at five thirty. Yep. Is it all erased? Things I well, need right, right. When does the when does the erasing happen? That's a question. That's, a good That's question. A question. The other weird thing too is is that that the father and brother went to so much work clearly for years or for a year to make sure that she thought it was the same day. So he, you know, the dad went out and had a ton of newspapers from the day of the accident made, and then Sandler's character comes in and he's like, no, no, no. Here's what we should do. And they're just like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Like, like if you worked that hard to shelter a person, and which is really weird, I don't think you would just have Henry come in and be like, oh, oh, cool, yeah, that's a tape idea, is a good idea. Like, there'd be immediate pushback. Who's more likely to be a serial killer, Adam Sandler's character or Sean Astin, the brother's character? Serial killer, uh, Sandler's character. Yeah. The, the brother would kill, but he'd get caught. He's an idiot. He's yeah, a mall. Sandler would be like a plotting serial yeah, He's killer, a veterinarian. Right? He's probably feeding him to the animals. He's feeding him to that I, walrus. I, just gonna, I, just I love that walrus. Thing. That walrus is great. The walrus puking. He might be my is, favorite character. The walrus puking is outstanding. That's so much puke. It's really good. The walrus was great. Um, I have uh, I have Adam Sandler movies pecking order for you guys if you want. Ooh, yes. Bring it. Let's, you want to? Okay. Yes. I love this. Let's do it. Okay, so in order five to one, here are my five favorite Adam Sandler movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Big Daddy number five. Ooh, okay. It might be too low for me. All right. It's a, it's a really good movie. Really and good it kind of show it kind of shows you how strong these power rankings are. Yeah. Oh, like there was a period of yeah. Adam Sandler was amazing. Uncut Gems is a is a off my list, but I really liked Uncut Gems, and Kevin Garnett was good in that movie too. It's more of a serious movie. Not seen it. But Big Daddy's number five. Billy Madison's number four, mm-hmm. 90s what? classic. Mm-hmm. Want to touch the honey? The scene with uh, Chris Farley and Veronica <laughs> that Vaughn. That is correct. Yeah. That Veronica Vaughn is one fine piece of ace. Me and her got it on. Oh, my no. God. So good. No, you Chris didn't. Far- Chris- no, we didn't. Chris Farley's so missed. <laughs> I'll turn this damn pussy around. Mr. Deeds, number three. Ah, one, of the, one of the great underrated Adam Sandler movies. He, he becomes the heir to a, a billion dollar chunk of ago. money, and uh, the whole thing. I love it. I love it. Honestly, hot take. It's probably my least favorite Adam Sandler movie. I can't wow. stand Mr. Deeds. I've tried. I've, I've retried. Can't. I've do it. to touch your feet. Yeah, I. I You're out on the feet. Ugh, can't do it. So what? Do, so you, what? You tried to watch it, and you just can't get through it. No, no I've, I've seen it from start to finish a few times and then even like when I was a kid I didn't really like it when I was a teenager I didn't like it and I even rewatched it as an adult like within the last three or four years and I was still like this still sucks I don't like it are you bored by it or what yeah I just don't I'm not a not a fan of it I'm also not a big Winona Ryder guy 
And and she's also, I believe, you're not. Believe, no, she's pretty insufferable in that movie. But that's that's her character's meant to be insufferable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. oh, okay. I like her in Stranger Things, and that's it. Yes, Phil. All right, Happy Gilmore number two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Happy Gilmore was my favorite movie as a kid for a couple of years oh, yeah. there. And then, and then I started watching like rounders and stuff. Still, it's still classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, and I'm my waiting. number one ranked Adam Sandler movie is Wedding Singer. The yeah. Wedding Singer is a great movie. And another it, Drew Barrymore, Adam yeah. Sandler. It is. I think Happy Gilmore might be number one though. I wouldn't fight. I wouldn't fight you too aggressively. Wedding Singer is is really cute, but I Happy Gilmore and and at that time and I mean, my God, you get Bob Barker to participate. The Price is wrong, wrong, bitch. But I mean, that scene <laughs> is so good. Yeah. I, uh, I think the only ones I, I would have Big Daddy number one. That's definitely my favorite Sandler one. I love wow. Big Daddy. That'd be number one. Um, and then also just as a selfish one, and I think you guys would never have this on your top five. I love the movie Grown Ups, the first one yeah. with Sandler and Kevin James and Chris Rock never saw it. and right. David Spade. I love that movie. Um, that would probably be the only. But all those other three, I probably could could fit in my top five as well. Grown Ups 2 exists it, and is awful, right? It's one of the worst films of all time. The second one. <laughs> like, okay. even on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's one of the worst. I think it's one of the few that's gotten like a 0% or 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one wow. of the worst films ever. I've got a question about Sandler's appearance. What happened with his face? Did, did he just lose weight? Did he have work done? His in this fa- movie, you mean? Or what no, you no, mean? no. In Uncut Current. Gems, oh. at, at his age currently, and I, I know he like grew a goatee and stuff. But like he used to have sort of that cherubic happy face look, like an egg, and and look at his yeah it, yes exactly. Well, they may have, they may have they may have just like made him look because he's supposed to be kind of a down and out like sleazy. Yeah, guy but I feel like movie. I've seen pictures of of him, and he's either lost weight or had work done. His face. He's at the age different. where you would definitely have had work done in Hollywood. Yeah, he's fifty four. You know, so he's he's probably had a. I saw Simon Cowell. I haven't watched uh, Simon Cowell on TV in about ten years. And I just happened to land on America's Got Talent late a couple nights ago. Sure. Simon Cowell has had some work done, man. Yeah. Like, oh, that, yeah. like, like you get to be like 45, 50 in that industry. And it's I just think it changed. Time to raise the cheekbones. His, face, his, <laughs> his facial appearance changed, which no. is always no. weird to me. All right. Definitive relationship rankings here. So we're going off on-screen chemistry <sighs> between Henry and Lucy from 51st Dates. So to this point... Hitch and Sarah from Hitch are the top-rated on-screen couple, 8.8 out of 10. Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly from You've Got Mail, 8.3. Tied with Benjamin Barry and Andy Anderson from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, also an 8.3. At the bottom are Michael and Jules from My Best Friend's Wedding at a 2.7. Kirk and Molly from She's Out of My League, a 3. And Sam and Annie from Sleepless in Seattle, a 3.3. 1 through 10, how would you give Henry and Lucy... From fifty first dates, I feel like Declan's really down on on them. Um, they acted at each other, but they do have chemistry. I'm going to give them a seven. I okay. it, it doesn't approach a ten. Uh, but again, I I found fl- I found a lot of flaws with this film, but it wasn't a difficult watch, and the chemistry was fine. I'll give him a seven. I will say just in general, despite like the characters they're playing, it's very obvious that Sandler and Barrymore have chemistry together. They've done Wedding Singer. They've done this. Uh, Blended is another one they've done. They've done a bunch of movies together. So there's definitely like just off screen chemistry between the two. And I think that rises up here. Yes, I can't stand Drew Barrymore. As a kid, I was fine with her. And as I've become an adult, I, I, I can't. I, I despise her. 
Like with the, this has been like a new thing within the last. Drew five Barrymore years. and Chad Beebe and Chad Beebe just, just please, please stop giving them opportunities in training camps. Um, wow. I I would say I I will give them a five in this for wow, this film. Dude. I'm still gonna give them a five because I just can't stand the pursuit of this. It 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 it's it's that part I I'm not a fan of. So for me, it's a five. It's a but five. It sounds like your issue is more with the script than it is yeah. with their actual yeah. character chemistry. I would say it's a five um, for me. That's mine. So you guys are all Big over the board here. It's a nine for me. They're amazing oh, wow. on screen together. You know what? Drew Barrymore for these types of movies is Shawn Michaels. You can put anyone in the ring with her, okay. and she will and she will put on a, t- a five star yep. match. She is the Shawn Michaels of these types of movies. Doesn't matter. You can put a you can put a broomstick, a broomstick in there, and in this type of a movie. <laughs> She will, she will. (laughs) What did you just say? Did you just compare the heartbreak kid? Hot Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Dude. She's great in these movies. Dude. She's great in Fever Pitch. She's great in this movie. No. We can rip that so we don't get a copyright. No, yeah, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Um, (laughs) No. Heart, the Heartbreak Kid is like on the Mount Rushmore staples of wrestlers. And yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying that he helps get other people over and other people per, for performances. But to put Shawn Michaels and I think Drew Barrymore in the same breath is is not accurate Listen, at all. I'm telling you. So from so from from the early night, let's say the mid 90s until like the mid 2000s, Drew Barrymore in this type of a movie is Mount Rushmore. She Fever Pitch, Wedding Singer. Fifty first dates. There's other ones too that I'm not even thinking of. You're, I mean, okay. her run here from like the late '90s sure. until like 2010 in these types of movies was was top notch. You're, you're talking me you. into it a little bit more. Okay, so you are you're 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 you're, you're getting the sentence down a little bit. Um, taking this, I'll take a plea, but at the same time, no, I can't, I can't do this. No, 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 Declan. no, no, no. I'll I'll say this. I think you're both nuts because because <laughs> Phil, Phil's too far towards her and Declan. I think you might be the only person in America who despises her. She's undespisable. Oh. I mean, you just called you just called Adam Sand. You just basically said Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore on screen is a no for you, dog. That's what you just said with your five rating. Yeah, I feel like that's a little aggressive. I mean, the, the rating is what it is. I'm not going to get right. you to she's change the, it at this point. She she's the person, at least back then, that that a team would call. And that player was good in the locker room and was consistent. I don't think that he was a star, but he played on a lot of good teams because he brought, because you knew exactly what that player was going to bring. I think that's her. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think she's outstanding, but, but she, she's going to bring what she brings. And, and I think teams are like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. She's not like Julia Roberts, you know, she doesn't have that next level to her acting game. Correct. But you know what you're in for. You know what you're getting, which Sandler probably loved it because Mm -hmm. he, that's exactly what he wanted. Yep. Yep. She's the, she's going to give you 200 innings and like a three and a half ERA and just a good solid number two starter. Yep. For sure, for yep. a long time, and she'll bounce. She's around. John Lester, basically. She'll bounce around. Her her baseball re- reference page will go Dodgers, Astros, A's, <laughs> Pirates. You know what she does? She comes out of the bullpen, and she's very effective. Oh, but oh she's now you got her as a reliever. Now you have now you've demoted her to the dude, bullpen. Relievers are great now. I'm just saying, look at look she's at the starter. baseball reference page, and she'll have a lot of her oh, movie goodness. reference page. will have a lot of different teams on it. 
All right, pure entertainment value, 1 through 10. Hitch is a 9, tied with 10 Things I Hate About You, also a 9 from last week. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.8. You've Got Mail, 7.7. While You Were Sleeping, 7.3. Sleepless in Seattle, Fever Pitch, She's Out of My League, Sweet Home Alabama, all a 6 or above. And the last ranked movie for us is My Best Friend's Wedding, a 5.3. So 1 through 10, Judd, 50 first dates. It gets a 6 for me. Enjoyable. Mm. Not great. Um, I I didn't I didn't look at my watch a ton, yeah, but I will quick. never watch it again. It gets a six. I'm with Judd. It's a six. Um, it's a movie I would stop and watch for maybe a commercial break or two if it was on television. There is some fun yucks, but in general, I uh, I get frustrated at this film, so it's a six. Six out of ten for it's, me, man. It's an eight for me. I find it, it it is a movie that I will and do stop on when it's on TV. Um. Yeah, for all the reasons that I have said over the last 30 or 40 months. Yeah, I'm a fan of this movie. <laughs> so, all right, that makes it a 6.7 average score, putting it right between Sleepless in Seattle and Fever Pitch. So, Drew Barrymore toward the bottom of our standings here. Um, so, production meeting here so we can loop in the audience. We've made the executive decision to uh, – Scale back a little on the movie reviews as we enter into football season here, just because we have so many things that we are, we're adding some things to purple daily. Um, so we're going to do, I think, I don't think we ever fully finalized this, but monthly movie mm-hmm. reviews during football season. Uh, and then we'll yep. bring it back more yeah. frequently after football season. Right. Are we all good with that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So we just have to figure out now. So the next one we'll do is like, early October, and then I think we do another one in late October, and that one should be... Horror film. Horror movie. Or do we uh, do or do we do we two horror movies I think in we October? Do, we should do two. We should satisfy that. I, I satisfy that itch there. I Kinda think we like do that. two. Yeah. Okay. I think we do two. So, um... <laughs> what? <laughs> that satisfy that itch. I'm with Dex, dude. I'm no, with I'm Dex, fine dude. with it. I just, thought it, I just like the phrasing. All right. Oh, I will, I will, I'll put together just a list of horror movies that could be fun for us to review... And then, you know, I mean, ho- we did Halloween. Mm-hmm. A Friday the 13th movie would be, yeah. you know, just trying to think of the more iconic ones here. Do the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. The original? Well, the original doesn't actually include Hockey Mask Jason, which is interesting. Yeah, it's the mom. It's his mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. That's right. Um, and also, we could still do We could definitely do it. By the way, I, I saw this trailer yesterday. By and the way. We have to do this action movie in 2022. Did you guys see the trailer for Moonfall? No. Moonfall? The moon is coming crashing down to Earth. <laughs> and it looks uh, a pretty big cast. Halle Berry's in it. Um, let me pull up the casting quick. Bruce Willis, please tell me it, Bruce Willis. It looks... Um, uh, Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry uh, is in it. Don, Don Sutherland's in it. Um, mm. Donald Sutherland? How old is Donald Sutherland? 85? Yeah. I'm, we got to see we get, the trailer. I, I tweeted it out yesterday. It, it is perfect for what we have to do. It, it comes out like early February of 2022. And it might be like one of the few movies. I think we all go to the theater because we usually do, you know, old ones. This might be one of the few ones we actually like go to a yeah. movie theater, watch it and then do a review. Cause it looks so over the top ridiculous. I'm here for perfect. that. That perfect. sounds like a blast. Remind us of that for yes. sure. Once that comes out. Uh, so <laughs> let's do this for the first, ho- for the first horror movie rewind. Let's do Friday the 13th part one okay. for that first week in October. Okay. And then from there, we'll decide on what we do closer to Halloween. Okay. You guys down for that? I'm down for yeah. that. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a wrap on Mackie and Judd. Rom-com Rewind for today. Don't forget Daily Vikings Conversations on Purple Daily. And if you can click the subscribe button on the Score North and Purple Daily YouTube channels, we'll give you uh, daily videos of our ugly faces. See you guys. In any case, Lucy, your condition is stable, but most likely permanent. I'm so sorry, dear. But it could be worse. Yeah, how? I think you should meet 10-second Tom. Callahan Institute is the leading brain injury clinic in the Pacific Rim. We are funded out of Sandusky, Ohio by T.B. Callahan, the automotive. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called, and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.